Hi and welcome to episode 151 of the Photography Explained podcast. I'm your host Rick and in each episode I will try to explain one photographic thing to you in plain English in less than 27-ish minutes without the irrelevant details. What I tell you is based on my lifetime of photographic experience and not Google. Nope, no Google required in this episode. Okay, so first here is the answery bit. To take the best photos that you can, stop, slow down, look around and think about what you're photographing. Think about what you're including in a photo. Think about what you're not including in a photo. Think about how the elements of a photo relate and think about the light. Then get your composition. Then get all that technical stuff sorted. And then take the photo. Well, they say the best advice is free and this is just that. Free advice that will help you to take the best photos that you can every time. Everything I talk about in this episode costs nothing more than time and thought. Yep, a lot of what I'm talking about here is all about plain old thinking. See, photography, it's drawing with light. It's not about all that techie stuff. It's about the taking of the photo. And I'm going to talk about that a lot, okay? Right, that was the answer. Just move me, um, just move me screen up. I've got my screens the wrong way around here. Sorry, I've got my recording software at the <laughs> at the top and my, my script at the bottom, so I can't see my script. <laughs> okay, here is the talky bit. Sorry about that. Is this really what I'm saying? Stop, slow down, look around and think? Yep, it sure is. And this will help you to take the best photos that you can every time. And don't worry, I will explain this. See, I want you to progress from taking good photos to really good photos. From good pictures to great pictures. Now, there's no easy way to take great photos. You do need to work at it. Practice, try things and find your way. See, we need to realise one thing. Most of the time, when someone is looking at one of your photos, all they know is what they see. What do people care about when they're looking at your photo? Well, someone looking at your photo probably doesn't know the backstory. All that pain, suffering and effort that you might have gone through to create that amazing photo. No one knows that you walk barefoot on ice for 24 hours with no food or water in a forced tent storm, blindfolded with your hands tied behind your back, and that you were being attacked by a starving killer polar bear as you dangled off the edge of a cliff to get that epic photo. Nope. No one knows or cares. Really. And yes, I wrote that all myself. (laughs) So, why does no one care? Well, because no one knows, do they? Now, when you get to the rarefied space of being world famous, people might know this stuff about you. But for us normal folks, this is the reality. Social media might give you a brief period of recognition, but that's all it will be for most of us. A brief period of recognition. So, no one knows, no one cares. All they care about is what they're looking at. Well, sounds a bit like a harsh reality, but that's the bottom line. We just need to get over this, don't we? We need to get over this and make sure that what people are looking at, as in our photos, make sure that they are the best that they can be. See, this is the point. Take the time in the taking of the photo. Stop, slow down, look around and think what you're photographing. Yep, instead of just arriving somewhere and taking hundreds of thoughtless photos, stop. This is the starting point, the stopping. (laughs) Does that make sense? Not getting your camera out and taking photos. now. I know this is disappointing, as you just want to get stuck into creating great photos, right? Bear with, this will help you. See, rather than just getting stuck in without too much thought, do this. Look around. What can you see? What looks interesting? 
Look around, walk around, study things and see what you find. See, this is a great start. So next, what do you do? Well, think about what you're including in a photo. So you've arrived somewhere to take photos. So you must already have an idea of what you want to photograph, right? And if you just happen to be in a place with your camera, no problem. Same applies. So what are you going to photograph and why are you going to photograph it? What is the main subject of a photo and where are you going to place it? And the next logical thought is this. If you take a photo of something, will other people find it interesting? And why will they find it interesting? Remember, all people know about is what they see in your photo. Right, think about what you are not including in a photo. This is as important as what you include in a photo, what you don't include. A cluttered, messy photo can be unappealing. And a simple, clear composition can be much more interesting and and more powerful even. Yeah, a good way to simplify a composition is to decide what the subject matter is, what would be the star of the photo, and come up with a composition that excludes things that detract from the subject. I'm talking here about not only bad stuff that we don't want to include, but stuff that distracts. When I say bad stuff, I mean, you know, like a TV aerial sticking out of a roof or half a tree or, I don't know, half a leg, half an arm. Bad stuff and and stuff that's not adding to a photo. Think about how the elements of a photo relate. Well, moving around helps with this. When you move, how things relate to each other changes and this can dramatically affect the photo that you take. This is a great thing to do, just just walking around and looking. And with time, practice and experience, you'll start to see things aligning in, in ways that make sense. Things will start to hang together more. Different angles will give you different compositions and better compositions at that. And these different viewpoints, they they help you to get better photos and a different perspective can also give you a different outcome for a photo. It really is all about thinking and looking. Now, for dramatic effects, you can use a low angle or you can use a high angle. They they really can dramatically change a composition and change what you're emphasising in a photo. And you can do this any time, not just when you're out taking photos. I mean, I do, I do this all the time. I look at stuff when I'm out and about and I see how things change when I move. I've trained myself to be very observant when it comes to how things relate to each other. And it's, it's something of a... I know. I, I, I wouldn't like to say obsession. It's an interest of mine. It's just watching how things change when you move and how they work together. I've actually written this in my script. It might just be that I'm quite sad, though. Just saying that, I never claim to be normal. You know, like I say, it's something that I do all the time and it, and it interests me. So it keeps me happy, right? Think about the light. Well, photography is drawing with light and light is directional. Yeah, look at what the light's doing and see how it changes when you move around. Shadows change and move and their impact on other things, that changes too. And let's not forget the big free natural light source. Yep, the sun. It's big, it's bright, it's free, but it moves. So when's the best time to take a photo? Well, it depends, doesn't it? But you can't rely on taking every photo at golden hour, which for those who don't know is before or after sunset or sunrise. I mean, this is the harsh commercial reality. I mean, I wish that I could take every photo at that time, but it just isn't the case. They say don't take photos at noon. Well, if I'm on a site where I have to take photos at noon, I have to take photos at noon. So I have to do something creative to get the best photos I can in those situations. And then talking of light, do you need to introduce more light? Not something that I'm great at, artificial light. I wouldn't 
I'd hate to badge myself as a natural light photographer. I think it's more more the case that I'm rubbish with 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 artificial with external artificial or added added lighting. See, I can't even say it, can I? So yeah, the time of day, of course, it'll affect the position of the sun, and that can well, it does have a massive influence on the success of a photo or not. Right, so you've done all this stuff that costs you now, other than moving around a bit, bit of effort, bit of thought, bit of legwork. That's the time to get your composition. And it's at this point when I'll get my camera out of my bag. So up to this point, I just, I've been using my eyes and my brain. I've just been walking around, looking and thinking. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'll be using my legs to walk around with, of course. So now I will raise my camera to my eye or place it on my tripod. It depends. Now I like using a tripod. Tripod, I've, I've made this mistake before, haven't I? That's my new, my new product. It's a tripod combination of a tripod and an iPad. Moving on, Rick. I like using a tripod. That was better. As, as the very act of putting my camera on a tripod, it slows me down and it makes me think. So you put my camera on a tripod, it's a, it's a committing act to me and it helps me to get a better composition. And to get the composition, I use the optical viewfinder and I also use the LCD screen. I sort of flick-flack between the two, but it's mainly the optical viewfinder in part because well, the screen on a Canon 6D, it's not the best. I mean, to be fair, it's a 10-year-old camera, so you don't expect it to be. But I'm quite old. The screen's quite small, so the optical viewfinder works for me. It might as well be because I've, I'm used to using an optical viewfinder because I was using an SLR before digital was, was a thing. So, yeah, <laughs> in my script, I say this. And as I'm in my 50s, my eyes are not as good as they used to be. Yeah, that's the best way I can put it. So it's something something for you youngsters to look forward to. Now, in terms of my camera orientation, I, I normally use landscape orientation. This tends to work for me, and I think it's a subconscious preference. I'm not afraid of trying portrait mode. I think it might be to do with the subject matter that I take as well. But I start off in landscape, and I'll change the orientation if I need to or want to. And quite often, I'll take a photo in landscape orientation, and I'll try one in portrait, because... It gives you options, doesn't it? It gives you something different. Some of the times it doesn't work. A lot of the time it does. And if it's rubbish, delete it later. It's not a problem. So I look at what's in my viewfinder and I adjust the contents by moving and zooming. This is the thinking time. This is the bit that will make or break a photo. What we include and what we do not include. I use the rules of composition, which I've talked about in another episode, which I'll probably need to come back to. And also on my blog, quick plug there, rickmacavoyphotography.com. That's where you'll find my blog and lots of other good stuff. Now, I use the rule of thirds a lot, which is it's great for simply putting the horizon higher or lower and not in the middle, instantly making any photo better. It's great for landscape photography. And it's also great for architectural and construction and real estate photography, photographs of buildings, because it, it helps you frame the building logically within the viewfinder. And like I say, it's a perfect way of improving any landscape photo by not having the horizon in the middle. Don't do that. Sometimes it works, but most of the time it doesn't. You're cutting your photo in half. It's just we don't like it. Our brains don't see that as as a pleasing thing. Take a test shot with your phone. Now, this helps me. I often take a photo of what I'm going to photograph with my phone. See, it's got a much bigger screen, as I mentioned, and it gives me an instant look at what I'm photographing. Now, the photo I've taken with my phone, it'll have a pretty good exposure. It'll be sharp, sharp enough for these purposes, and it will have had some processing done to it. 
Of course, phones give you good pictures immediately, and I use an iPhone, but Android phones are just as good these days, if not better, say it quietly, sorry Apple. I can zoom in quickly, which helps to exclude stuff that I don't want in a photo, stuff that detracts, bad stuff, I've mentioned it before. So taking a test shot with your phone, it's dead handy. It's just really handy and you can instantly look at what you're doing. And the other good thing it does, if you've got all your stuff set up correctly, it'll record the time you took the photo and the location. So if you haven't got GPS on your camera, you can add the location later on in Lightroom, which is um, which is an excellent thing. Thankfully, on my aging Canon 6D, I do have GPS built in. I just need to remember to turn it on. And off again, or it drains the battery even when the camera's off. <laughs> now, refine the composition. Having looked at my test photo, I can I can then refine the composition if I need to, and then I'll take a test shot with my camera. Now, I'm using AV mode, so the exposure will be okay enough for a test shot. And if I'm being picky, I can connect my camera to my phone and view the photo that I've taken on my phone. I use a camera app to connect my camera to my phone, which is which is surprisingly useful, but I use it less and less because I just use my phone now, which seems to save me time. Of course, this depends on how much time I've got and what I'm photographing. And once I've got the composition that I want, then I make sure that I get the best quality image capture that I can. Yes, the most important thing is what is in a photo. Now we get on to the photography stuff. So yeah, get all that technical stuff sorted. Now, I've not even talked about this at all yet, have I? Camera settings, well, there's so many different camera settings, but this is the point. Sort out what you're taking a photo of first and then think about how you're going to take the photo. You should be able to do that efficiently and quickly and effectively with any current DSLR or mirrorless camera. Here's a little headline list of things that you need to get nailed. Focus, where are you going to focus? Well, I use a Canon 6D. It has 11 focus points. 11. And I manually select the one that I want to use to focus on. So I've got 11 focus points and I choose one manually. That's how fast I take my photos. I choose one focus point. Now, one of the, one of the more modern cameras, the Canon ESR, is the Canon EOS R. It's got 5,655 focus points. I, I just can't get my head around that. And I can't help you with that and what you do with them. 565. So I can't even say it. 5,655 focus points against 11 on my Canon 6D. And I've never felt, <laughs> I've never felt like I needed more focus points, I have to say. But you need to get what you want in focus to be just that. And the rest of the photo? Well, it depends, doesn't it? For a photo of a building, I'm going to want everything sharp. And for a landscape photo, I also want everything sharp. But if you're taking a photo of something very specific, then you might want that bit sharp and the rest blurry. It just depends what you're taking a photo of. Depth of field. Well, the aperture, the lens focal length, where you focus and the position you take the photo from, they will all influence the depth of field. But in general terms, A large aperture gives less depth of field than a small aperture, and a longer focal length gives less depth of field than a shorter or wider focal length. It's a good job I had that written down, because that's the kind of thing where I can come out with a big, grandiose, big statement and get it 100% wrong. So (laughs) I did check when I wrote it. (laughs) Exposure, very important. Well, exposure, it's, it's the combination of the aperture, the shutter, and the ISO. And the ISO is the sensitivity of the camera sensor or film, of course, to light. 
get the exposure correct and you've captured the fullest range of lights, darks and everything in between that you can in a single image capture. But it's important to remember, you can't capture the same range of lights and darks in a single image capture than you can see with your own eyes. This is a fact. Camera sensors are not as good as the human brain. Even in this modern techie day and age, they're still not as good as the human brain. Remarkable, isn't it? So get as much of the lights and darks as you can correctly exposed. Now, I've covered high dynamic range in other episodes, and I might come back to this with my longer format episodes. Actually, I'm going to add that to my list right now. I'm not going to add it right now because I wrote the script before. I'm not going to do a dramatic, bear with while I just add this to my script. Type, 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 type. There you go, it's added to the script. No, I'm not that. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Moving or still. Well, if I'm photographing a building, it's not moving, is it? Well, you'd hope not. (laughs) So I don't need to worry about the shutter speed too much. And my camera's normally on a tripod, and this is why I use AV mode, as the aperture is the thing that I want to set for each photo. I do use manual mode some of the time when it suits me, but I don't really need to, so I don't bother. If you're photographing something that's moving quickly, you'll need a faster shutter speed to freeze a moving subject. But if you want to create blur in a photo, like a waterfall, a river, whatever, a bus, a car, oh, I'll stop there. You'll use a longer exposure. Okay, a quick word on the exposure triangle. I've talked about this before more than once. Um, I've touched on it before. The exposure triangle is a combination of the three main camera settings, aperture, shutter speed and ISO. These combine to determine if you correctly capture the range of light in a photo. That's lights and darks and all the bits in the middle. And this is something that you do need to understand if you want to take your photography seriously. I think I'll revisit this one as well because when I covered it before it was when my episodes were much shorter. Couldn't have possibly given the subject of exposure justice in less than 10 minutes-ish. How did I? <laughs> I'm wondering now how I thought I actually could. Right, as my script says here, done, added to my list. Yeah, it's, it's on there. And then you take the photo. Well, this is it. This is the time to create something new. This is the time in which everything that you've learned up to that point all comes together. This is the exciting bit. This is what photography is all about. When you gently press the shutter release button, that's job done. And this is what you do when you've done all that other stuff that I've talked about. Photography is creating new things. That's what photography is all about. And then you can relax. Well, yeah, there can be a lot to do and think about before you take a photo. But once you've done it, hopefully you'll feel good. Relax, see what you captured and either move on to the next thing or go home. And this leads me nicely to something else for you to think about. My one photo rule. Right then, shoot me down here, but this is how I work. If I'm working for a client and they need 30 photos, I will try to take just 30 photos. Now, it never happens. I'm, I'm not that good, unfortunately. But I do not do what I used to do. And I'll get on to that. And if I'm photographing a sunrise, guess what? I am only after one photo. You know what? I'm going to do a whole episode on my one photo rule. Well, why not? And I've decided that this will be the next episode. There you go. I've been decisive on that one. Next episode, the one photo rule. Now, I'm not saying go out and only take one photo and then call it a day. Well, you can if you want, but that's not what I really mean. But I am saying try to get one photo that is the best photo that you can of something. Don't take hundreds of photos and try and find a good one on your computer afterwards. That's what I used to do. No, put all your efforts into getting one photo that is the best that you can get. 
I mean, sorry, I'll come on to this in another episode. So, yeah, shut up, Rick. <laughs> right, talk it over. What if I use a phone and not a camera? Well, the title for this episode had the words with my camera in it. But I removed that bit because this applies to the taking of photos, not to the taking of photos with a camera. And if all you have is your phone, that's the best camera that you have, isn't it? So this is how I see it. A phone is a device that you can use to take photos. A camera is another device that you can use to take photos. Both are equally valid if different. Different tools for different jobs working in different ways. And it's fine. Take the time, thought, care and attention and then take the photo with your phone. I mean, yeah, sure, you might need to make some tweaks, whatever adjustments you have with your phone, but there'll be a lot less than with a camera and there'll be a lot more automation in there, which, which is a good thing and a bad thing. What do I do? Now I try to get one photo, the best photo that I can, the highest image quality that I can achieve. More on that in another episode. But I take fewer photos now than I ever have done and my photos are better and I no longer have to search through hundreds of photos to find something to edit. And this is what I and other professional photographers do. We concentrate on what we're taking photos of. We concentrate on taking better pictures every time. Well, how long does this take me? It sounds like a painfully convoluted, time-consuming process, doesn't it? Well, well, no, it doesn't, actually. Don't worry. This doesn't take as long as it might sound. It could be a couple of minutes, and that's much less time than I used to spend in Lightroom trying to find a decent photo. So it might not sound it, but it saves you a whole heap of time and helps you to get better photos. So what is not to love? The best photographers spend the time on the composition first, and you should too. And so should I, and I should remind myself of that fact and get back to concentrating much more on my composition. Okay then, moving on, some thoughts from the last episode. How does a camera work? Just the stuff you need to know. Well, it was a bit of a whistle-stop tour of how a camera works, wasn't it? And, and a description of some of the parts of a camera. I, mean, I enjoyed this episode and I'd like to reiterate just one thing. A camera is a light-proof box with a hole in it. The light is recorded on the sensor when a photo is taken. Photography? It's drawing with light. That's all it is. Let's not forget that. But it is about creating things. And I, I'm going to repeat myself here, but everything I've said about what you do up to the point of taking a photo, it's, it's so important and it's the thing that we should be spending more time on. Right, nearly done it. Next episode, episode 152, my one photo rule. Well, the title's being worked on, but it'll be it'll definitely be about my one photo rule, which I mentioned in this episode. Like I say, title to be worked on and sorted. Some stuff for you to do. Well, first off, if you've got a photography question you want me to answer in plain English in less than 27-ish minutes, but still without the relevant details, just head over to photographyexplainedpodcast.com forward slash start, where you can find out what to do. Or if you just want to say hi, that's fine. It'd just be great to hear from you. And a favour, I'd like to ask a favour of you. If you enjoyed this episode, please write a nice review on your podcast provider of choice and post it on your social feeds as well. Why not, eh? And why not follow my podcast to make sure you get the next episode when it's released fortnightly on a Friday afternoon, time here in England, 3pm. I'm not going through that GMT, BST thing again. Three o'clock on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by, um, well, a cheese and pickle sandwich with a bit of mayo on it. And a bag of salt and vinegar crisps, not washed down with a Diet Pepsi because I forgot. 
but topped off with an apple, all before I settled down in my homemade, acoustically cushioned recording emporium. Cushion update, today I've got two pillows and two fleeces providing my acoustic treatment. (laughs) It's working a treat, I have to say. Hopefully this sounds okay. Right, I'm going to stop waffling there. You'll be glad to hear. I've been Rick McAvoy. Thanks again very much for listening to my small but perfectly formed podcast, it says here, and for giving me 27-ish minutes of your valuable time. Well, I think this one will be about 25 minutes long, but let's find out after I've edited it. Take care, stay safe. Cheers from me, Rick.